Welcome to Logos Live. I'm Robert Martin, Director of the City Bible Forum in Melbourne, and I'm your host for the show. Logos is Greek for word or message, and Logos Live engages the Christian message before a live audience in the CBD of Melbourne. And do we have a live audience here today? And we also aim to have a bit of fun. Who said exploring the big questions of life shouldn't be enjoyable? How do you live well today? In this series of Logos Live, Words to Live By, we offer practical and helpful advice to help us live and thrive in the modern world. Today, we're thinking about miracles, their reality or not. To help us think through this question more, we have someone familiar with miracles join us, Linda Bailey. Linda is the author of Daily Devotional, a daily Bible reading which is broadcast on Light Digital. Linda has worked for churches, for Light FM, and now coordinates Miracles Day for CBM, an organisation committed to working with people with disabilities in the poorest parts of the world. And she joins me now. Please welcome Linda Bailey. Thanks for having me. Now, Linda, your job is to coordinate a project with CBM called Miracles Day. What exactly is Miracles Day? Miracles Day is a day that radio stations all across Australia put aside uh, their broadcasting to raise funds for cataracts for CBM. Uh, We call a miracle a cataract operation. So that's a a $32 donation. It's a 12-minute operation and it takes someone from blindness to sight in some of the poorest countries in our world. So why is it called Miracles Day? Well, uh, look, we think it's quite miraculous that for just 32 Australian dollars and just a 12-minute operation that someone can have their life transformed in such an incredible way. Uh, having been over to, to the field and, and met numerous people who have had this operation done, it's amazing how many people have said, uh, we've been waiting for something like this. I've been praying for so long for my sight to be restored. This is such a miracle that it's, that it's happened. So for someone living in a country where their resources are so slim, they're living off one or two meals a day, to be able to have access to medical assistance that transforms their life to allow them to to keep living in a really positive functional way that that to them is truly a miracle wow okay well let's just think a bit more about the miracle of this cataract operation so what's it like then for someone to have a cataract Uh, so it's a clouding of the lens so uh, an ophthalmologist told me that it is like looking through a jug of milk so you can see if it's light and, or dark, but uh, as the cataract develops, you, you really can't make out shapes. A lot of people say they can't recognise which child is which or mm-hmm. which grandchild is which. Um, they can't see the road properly. It's all really quite blurred. Now, so you've mentioned that this miracle is transforming to people's lives. So how so? How does this miracle impact the lives of the people who receive the operation? Uh, when, when someone has a cataract, it means that uh, because of their vision being so impaired, often they have to finish work, they're not able to help their families, they're not able to, to care for their children or their grandchildren. But uh, in, in countries where resources are so limited and medical assistance is so limited, it often means that these people just end up sitting in their home the mm. whole day. They need help to go to the bathroom, they need help to see where their food is on the table so that they can eat. They need help for absolutely everything. Um, One of the first uh, girls I met who had a cataract 
operation. She was 13. And one of the things she was most excited about after she had had her operation was that she could go to the bathroom on her own. Like something so simple that we do every single day. It's a frustration for us, right? It's like, oh, who has time to go to the bathroom? But for her, it was like the biggest joyous occasion because she could go on her own as a as a teenager and a lot of the older people who get cataracts which is the most common um, age of getting cataracts as well often if their families don't have time they have to go out and and earn an income for their family and so they don't have the people there to help often their gr- a grandchild is taken out of school so that they can care for their grandparent which means you're not just uh, that grandparent's life isn't just affected but the grandchild child's future is affected too by not being able to get Mm. their education and because they're sitting most of the time often their muscles atrophy and they become you know very stiff and their their problems happen with muscles and backs and so they end up almost paralyzed just because they have a cataract in their eye and then they have a miracle they do and they get some sight now we do try to have a bit of fun with logos live and today we're talking with linda bailey about when miracles happen So, Linda, in today's quiz, I'm going to test you on how much you know about miracles. Okay. Okay, so, okay, just two questions. Uh, First question, according to a survey conducted in 2009, what percentage of Australians believe in miracles? Mm -hmm. Is it A, 0% Australians are all hardened skeptics? B, 36%, a bit over a third of Australians believe in miracles? C, 63%, a majority? Or D, 90%? Virtually everyone believes in miracles. Ooh. Well, you'd love to think that 90%. Uh, yeah. I'm, well, it won't, it's not. Just to give you a bit of a hint. That's I right. don't think it's 0%. <laughs> Correct. So I would go with, was it C, 60-something 63%, percent? Yeah. yeah. And you're correct. It is, yes. Big breath. Yeah. <laughs> I was studying so hard for this. Yes, you have. It's interesting that polling over the last decade suggests that faith in miracles is actually intensifying, that uh, current enthusiasm stands in contrast to research findings in the late 1990s, which found only 36% of Australians believed in miracles, and that figure has now gone up to 63%. Question two. In 1989, the legendary rock group Queen released a song called The Miracle. This song is a celebration of life's triumphs and of some of the wonders of the world we often take for granted. Now, which of the following is not mentioned in the song as a miracle? Was it A, rainbows, B, all God's creations, great and small, C, test tube babies, or D, Jimi Hendrix? <laughs> Are you familiar with wow. the song at all? Not completely. Right. I'm not a huge Queen fan, which, uh, let me think. Um, thinking either... C or D. Or? Or <laughs> maybe <laughs> even uh, A? Yes, it is. Congratulations. Ah. Yes, rainbows. Uh, the closest we get to rainbows in the song is the first line, which says, every drop of rain that falls in Sahara Desert says it all. It's a miracle. So, Linda, in our miracles quiz, you got, well, nearly got, two out of two right. Congratulations. <laughs> Big round of applause. <laughs> if only Eddie McGuire was, you know, this helpful to his contestants. That's right, yes. We don't want people to fail on Logos Live. <laughs> now, the song The Miracle by Queen celebrates some of the wonders of the world we take for granted, like a drop of rain in the desert, test tube babies, the Taj Mahal, and even Jimi Hendrix. So is this what it's like for people to have cataract operations? I think it's incredible how much we take for granted. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
I think when when you have something taken away from you, you you notice it so much. I've had a head cold for two weeks, and I have not had any hearing in my left ear mm-hmm. for a whole week, and it is so frustrating. Like I'm getting so frustrated with it. We've changed our location today yep. so that I can hear you properly, and it's amazing that when something that you expect to have is taken away from you, how debilitating that is, how frustrating it can be. Um, for people with cataracts, they don't have to live without their sight. You know, it's such a simple operation. Just as many people in Australia get cataracts as in developing countries. It's just that we, we deal with it so quickly here. It's not really a big issue for many people. Um, and so for people overseas, when it but does become such a big issue to have it fixed so easily and for people to see their children, sometimes see their grandchildren for the very first time, uh, that's that's pretty miraculous. Mm-hmm. But to call it a miracle is perhaps a bit overreaching. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't it just science working, a medical procedure bringing benefit, calling it a miracle is misleading? Well, I think, uh, I think God works in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know... While we may use medical science and ophthalmologists and training uh, to help people, the fact that someone who's living in a hut in one of the poorest villages in our world can actually have access to medical assistance like that, um, that, that some might call it coincidence, some might call it, you know, uh, just people searching a little harder, but... You know, we we believe that there's a God element to that. We really believe uh, Christianity is a a big core value for CBM and and we believe that God's using many people all across the world through CBM and our partner hospitals to be able to connect with people. Well, connected to that. So you don't see that being a Christian organisation or calling something a miracle is unrelated or disconnected to science? No, no, I, I wouldn't, no. Okay. Yeah. So CBM was formerly called Christian Blind Mission International. So is there something of the Christian origins and heritage driving the decision to call Miracles Day <laughs> Miracles Day? Uh, maybe so. It was called Miracles Day before my time. Right. Um, and, you look, certainly our Christian faith is something that's very important to us as an organisation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually changed our name from Christian Blind Mission to CBM uh, because while uh, our workers here have Christian faith and a Christian basis and uh, uh, the pa- a pastor in Germany actually started CBM and it's the biggest uh, not-for-profit organisation helping people with disabilities across the world today. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for us, if someone was to turn up to one of our partner hospitals and they didn't have a Christian faith, it's certainly something, it's not like we're going to turn them away just because, oh, well, we're Christian blind mission, so, you know, you've got to prove you've got a faith for, for us to help you. That's not what... CBM. So it's not what motivates CBM. So what motivates CBM? Uh, Well, I think um, certainly inclusiveness is a big part of CBM. So um, it's about helping someone who is living probably in the poorest situation possible. Mm -hmm. Someone living in poverty that has a disability, uh, so therefore the least amount of access to to assistance and to resources and to see them as someone important, to see them as God has made them, that no matter what their ability, they have the chance to be a really important part of society. Mm. So what motivates you to do this work? 
Uh, I think my faith certainly motivates me. Um, I'm certainly keen to help the world to be a better place and I think we can do that in many different ways. We can do that in our families, in our workplaces uh, and just so happens that my workplace connects with people overseas in developing countries to to help them. But um, I I guess that's what I feel the purpose, the call, we might call it, of every disciple of Jesus is, is to is to, to share his love and make the world a better place wherever we're at. In mm, mm. So do you think that you'd be doing this work if it wasn't for Jesus? Oh, no, no. I have Dutch and Scottish heritage, <laughs> and so I'm an absolute Scrooge. Like, <laughs> money is very important. So if I didn't have Jesus in my life, I think I would be kind of, climbing the corporate ladder and trying to get as much money as I possibly can in my in my bank account because that makes me feel secure it gives me you know connections it's that you know heritage of of mine that plays mm. a part and certainly in the places that I have worked it's not necessarily uh, about getting in lots of money and climbing the no, corporate ladder no no that's fascinating well thank you for sharing now as part of Logos Live, we reflect on the scriptures, the Logos, and the part of the Bible we're reflecting on today comes from the Gospel of Mark, one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have. Now, it recounts an incident in chapter 8, verse 22, where some people bring a blind man to Jesus and begged Jesus to touch him. So, Linda, why do you think they were so desperate to get Jesus to touch him? Well, uh, from any of the people that I've met overseas that have lived with cataracts, you know, they really are desperate to, mm-hmm. to have their sight. Um, and they'll often go to the extremes to do it. A lot of these people have spent all, what little money they do have to uh, go to local doctors or to connect with any kind of person who has said that they'd be able to help them, only to still not surprisingly, have their cataract in their eye and and to not be... So what sort of things do people do to try to get their cataracts without an operation? Uh, So they'll drink potions, they'll they'll go and see, um, like, the local kind of witch doctors in their local community, Um, they'll pay money to someone to, to help try and have them help or they will give a pig or a goat or whatever the barter system might be mm. uh, which often leads them into a worse position because greater, greater debt absolutely yeah so what do you think it was about jesus then that made them these guys here bring a blind man to him to make them want to touch him he had a bit of a track record i reckon <laughs> yeah. jesus you know he'd been going around healing quite a few people already uh he was getting quite a gathering at this time as well of disciples and so you know maybe the this is, it, I can't determine the, the faith of the blind man right. that came, but, you know, maybe this was just another hope, another hope for, for being able to see. Mm. Well, then Jesus adopts a fairly unorthodox method to heal the man. It says in verse 23 that he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Then Jesus spits on the man's eyes. So do you recommend this as a treatment for I do have to say, uh, on behalf of CBS, we <laughs> do not endorse any spitting in any eye at any time. No. Okay. Um, in fact, I heard once an atheist who criticised this healing and said that if someone spat in another person's eye, it would have no therapeutic effect and the person wouldn't get cured straight away. So how does this atheist or this un- misunderstand Jesus' treatment here? 
I I actually find that it just shows the diversity of Jesus that mm-hmm. he is. It's um, there are a number of different accounts of Jesus uh, giving someone back their sight in the Gospels, uh, and all through different ways. And I think so often we try to understand Jesus to you know replicate exactly what he does, work out you know the the formula that Jesus has for healing people. But I, I guess for me, these different ways that Jesus heals blind people in the Gospels kind of says to me, he he actually doesn't have a formula. You know, he, he has many different ways. We can't box him. We can't know exactly what he does and why mm. he does it. Um, but yeah. that he, he uses sometimes... Spit. I think you know when he put mud in uh, one of the another, another blind man's another eyes. blind man's eye. You know that seems pretty disgusting. Although when you've got that compared to some saliva, I think I'm going for the mud actually. <laughs> so uh, you've picked kind of the grossest one here. Well, no, but I don't think it's Jesus isn't advocating. Well, it's not suggested that it's the spitting is the actually healing agent, is it? It's actually Jesus himself has the healing power, isn't it? That's right. That's what he's saying. Yes. Yes. But the spitting obviously doesn't quite heal the man. The blind man sees people look like trees walking. So once more, Jesus puts his hands on the man's eyes, and then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Uh, This man's sight has been restored. You'd have to say that's a miracle? I would say so. Yeah? Yeah. The very first Miracles Day cure, do you think? Ah, look, you know, if we had something quite quite that uh, astronomical, we might might have a bit more fundraising. <laughs> <laughs> Everything would be sorted. But yeah. Right. What's the difference then between the miracle that Jesus performs here and the miracles that are performed in Miracles Day? Um, well, we are very open in saying that we train doctors to and ophthalmologists to, to do the the surgery that that Mm -hmm. we do. Um, For us, it is uh, more an expression of what we do. We we are doing this, we're raising funds, we're asking people to be a part um, of this because of their faith, because of an expression of their faith, uh, because of their desire to be more like Christ and make the world a better place. Mm. So uh, uh, where Jesus did seem to have uh, a, a connection with, with the big guy upstairs enough that, you know, he could do it himself. We certainly don't say that in, in doing Miracles Day that that is, it's not an evangelistic crusade, uh, but it's that God can move in so many different ways. God can use so many different people in so many different ways to connect with people and, and make it a, a better place for him. Uh, there's also, I suppose, the fact that Jesus is just different. Yeah. He, he brings, as you said, certain power that none of us have to be able to just heal people with spit and then touching someone. That's right. Uh, imagine if that you did have that power that you'd probably try to employ them. Yeah. CBM, very, quickly. very quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> what do you think then is the significance of the healing in two stages? So first with the spitting and then with the touching. I think, uh, look, we can relate it back to our own lives today. Um, in the in the position of this passage where it is in Scripture, uh, Jesus has just fed a whole heap of people, uh, thousands of people, and uh, yet the disciples are still kind of questioning, you know, and they're, they're still wanting proof and they're still wanting something something really tangible to, to believe that Jesus is, you know, the son of God. Uh, and so often I'm kind of the same, you know, you see it so clearly for yourself. You have uh, an encounter with God and see so clearly that he 
is all powerful and all gracious and all loving. And yet the very next day you're, you're questioning the very next day. You're like, Oh, you know, maybe it was just a coincidence or maybe it was still not quite sure who he is. Yeah, that's right. And still doubting. And, um, look, you know, the, the blind man, he, he still had, blurry vision he was starting to see um but i think uh you know we need to keep engaging with jesus we need to keep interacting with him and having that contact with him and as we do so uh he becomes clearer and clearer yeah and there's also a sense i suppose in which there's a lack of understanding that someone you you think you know someone but then you see them in a different light and then everything becomes clear yeah and so do you, do you think many people in our world don't quite see jesus clearly I think absolutely everyone doesn't see Jesus clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we all try and we certainly, you know, through reading the Bible, we certainly get a, a better understanding of him by talking to other believers, by attending small groups and, and churches and amazing lunchtime Logos lives. You know, oh, we, we glad, are... Glad you said that. Thanks, That's thanks. Right. <laughs> just put that plug in. You know, we're, we're all on, uh, on a journey to understanding Jesus more and more. Uh, I don't think we will ever until you know we we finish in glory we will come to the point of knowing him completely Uh, some might feel they're closer than others and that's great but I think there's still so much we can learn and and so much more we can know about Jesus Mm. but there still is a sense that we can we can see him somewhat clearly to actually follow him yes Yes. Oh, you've got to have some sense of who he is to commit your life to him because you do change your life quite a bit when you decide to follow Jesus. Mm, So, mm. yeah, having that understanding does help. Now, a question's just come through, which we can feed in. It says, what cure is there for blindness of the heart? Mm. Well, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) How is Jesus a cure for blindness of the heart? Um. I would actually think probably more the Holy Spirit is the element of God that we connect with and that connects with us to help us and to help hearts be moved. I think being really open to to God and asking him to to help whatever the blindness might be towards whether it's you know a relationship or whether it is blindness towards God you know um, the the spirit is the one that can really open our hearts to that. Mm-hmm. Now here we're talking today about miracles. You believe in miracles? You make miracles happen in some sense with CBM, and you believe in Jesus as a miracle worker. But one of the lines from the Queen's song isn't reality in your life, the miracle of a test tube baby or of any baby at all. Can you share with us a bit about your struggle? Yeah, so uh, my husband and I have been married for 14 years now, and uh, we've been trying to have kids for 10 years, and it just hasn't hasn't happened for us. We've had people pray for us, we've prayed ourselves, we've put, you know, prayer petitions in at church and all those kind of things but it hasn't happened for us not not naturally anyway we've had four children in our home uh, mainly through the foster system and we currently uh, care for a two and a half year old who is actually the son of our foster daughter uh, and we're his primary carers so we've certainly been surrounded by babies in or children in one way shape or form but as far as searching for that miracle for ourselves uh, that that hasn't happened for us and that's been a it's been a real faith journey for us and and a bit of a struggle too to think you know God might heal someone says oh God's healed them of you know a broken toe or you know of a head cold that's really great for them but I'm like 
you know, your body would have healed in time. You know, this is something that we physically can't do for ourselves. And um, so, yeah, it, it has been a struggle sitting with that and living with, uh, I guess, a miracle that hasn't taken place for us in one way, uh, but I guess it's opened up a whole avenue of other miracles and other lives we've been able to pick uh, and, and be a part of through that. So how are you able to trust Jesus given that he hasn't granted you this miracle? I think there's so much to my faith in God and in Jesus uh, that is beyond just this one thing. You know, yes, there there is our, our infertility and it's always there and it's kind of always sitting in the back of your mind or, you know, it's always, it's a part of who we are now. It's, it's actually a part of my faith journey as well. Um, but there's so much more to God than just a, an unanswered prayer. You know, there's uh, his love, his grace. There's that feeling that I get when I'm just absolutely exhausted and I feel he gives me you know, more energy than what is naturally possible. It's, um, you know, when things are, are troubling in our with our children and in our marriage, it's, you know, God giving me a grace that is beyond my capability. You know, there's, there's lots of experiences of God. It's not just this, I don't just hang on to one unanswered prayer, mm. but I see him and experience him in so many other ways as mm. well. Well, thanks very much for sharing that, Linda. I suppose if you did have that one thing to grasp onto, then you wouldn't trust him, I suppose. That's because, right. So, so Jesus to you, you is more than just simply a dispenser of gifts. He's far more profound than that, more deeper than that. Yeah, that's right. That's yes. right. And that's when it, it, we actually have to be really careful when it's just one thing that we're holding on to or, or maybe one person of faith that we're really holding on to and depending on them for our faith. I think for our faith to have depth and have longevity, we've got to be able to connect ourselves with the almighty God who loves us and cares for us and has grace enough for all of us. Mm. So Linda, when miracles happen or don't happen, what are we to think? When looking at this passage uh, in Mark that we were talking about before and seeing how God could, that Jesus could could heal someone and, and give them their sight, it made me realise that actually we worship the exact same God today. You know, God has not changed from that time when, when Jesus was walking on this earth and, and preaching and healing people and showing us the best way that we can love and accept other people. Uh, that's, that's the same God that we worship today. So uh, who's not to say that a God who made miracles happen 2,000 years ago can't do the same today? Uh, and, and I believe that the miracles happen outside the medical advances that we talk about for, for Miracles Day with CBM. Mm. I believe that, you know, the, the supernatural can happen. Our God is bigger than anything we, we possibly have uh, access to here, here in our little world here Mm. um he he can continue to make miracles happen uh i think he has the bigger picture though and so often we don't always know why a miracle might happen and why a miracle may not happen uh and maybe we won't know until we get to heaven and and he kind of shows us the the full picture that there is we we don't always know um and we trust and we believe even though we might not have all the answers but we believe that our our loving gracious god does let me leave you with the logos for the day from mark eight twenty five. once more jesus put his hands on the man's eyes then his eyes were opened his sight was restored And he saw everything clearly. 
I look forward to you joining us next time for Logos Live. Please thank our guest today, Linda Bailey. Logos Live is recorded before a live audience in the CBD of Melbourne over lunchtime every second Wednesday. You can be part of the audience. Just check out citybibleforum.org slash melbourne for the recording schedule. You're welcome to turn up or continue to tune in whenever Logos Live is broadcast or podcast. I look forward to you joining us next time for Logos Live.